Hey TC family, we're back again and we're excited to be here with you today. We just dropped a brand new episode and we are fired up that you're tuning in for it. Before we kick it off, we want to remind you of a valuable resource and that's our 24-7 helpline. You can call anytime, anywhere, day or night and a T-Challenge staff member will be on the other end waiting for your call. If you or a loved one needs prayer or help with an addiction, call us right now at 888-520-0620. We're back with a fresh and exciting episode from Spiritual Emphasis 2022. Today we're featuring Pastor Chris Johnson's message. He's the pastor of Grace Chapel in the Antelope Valley. If you hadn't heard, we just opened a brand new Teen Challenge Outreach Center in the Antelope Valley. If you'd like more information on Antelope Valley Teen Challenge, go to teenchallenge.org slash AVTC. Did you know that subscribing to this podcast is free? So please subscribe today if you haven't. We hope it's a great resource to you and your friends and family. God bless you today, my friends. It is a joy to share with you for a few minutes today. And as we begin, I want to start with a quote from David Wilkerson. I was tasked to do a message on prayer And the title that God gave me as I was seeking him, what he might have me share here today was this, what Jesus might say when we pray. In other words, could it be that what Jesus has to say to me is more important than what I even have to say to him when I pray? And David Wilkerson once said this, we miss the purpose of drawing to God if we do all the talking and no listening. So would you just pray with me right now and ask the Lord just to speak? And so, Lord, we have stilled and quieted our souls like weaned children with their mother is our souls within us. And, Lord, I pray that you would speak today. Jesus, help us to have listening ears to hear what you might want to say, not only today, but every time we pray. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, Ron, that was a very gracious introduction. What I would tell you... um, Really, all you need to know about me is I love Jesus because he first loved me, and I love my family. I love my wife of 34 years and my five, my, my four kids and my five grandkids. In fact, that's a picture of my family there. Um, in fact, I want to draw attention to the young man in the middle. That's Ryan, our adopted son. We adopted Ryan from, from China 20 years ago, and he just got married to that girl that's hanging on his shoulder right there last month. We just had a wedding in our family, and it was such a glorious time, honestly. Like, 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 it was really the, the sweetest thing. And, it, it, and we met a lot. And I just said, son, my biggest advice to you for success in marriage, other than keeping Jesus the center of your marriage, is to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. I'm like, son, God's given you two ears and one mouth. Use it appropriately and proportionally. Like, be sure to listen to that bride. Because isn't it true that in 1 Peter chapter 3, like, Husbands are to dwell with their wives in an understanding way. And I'm like, son, you can't do that if you don't listen to her. You don't get to know her. You can't love her as Jesus loved the church unless you hear from, from her. What I'd underestimated was when he said, hey, dad, I appreciate that. I'm going I'm to try to live that out. Could you do me a favor? What's that? Can you come down to the airport and pick up our car and bring it home? Because we're gonna, they're going to Hawaii, whatever. I'm like, sure, no problem. So Kristen and I, my wife, drove down the next day, and he gave me his keys and went to get in his car. What I, had, what I forgot about was is that the car all over it said things like, just married, honk for a kiss. So all the way home to Lancaster, he's honking. They're looking in. They're looking at me like, 
where's your bride? I'm like, yeah, the wedding didn't go well, a bad honeymoon, whatever. <laughs> when it comes to prayer, Psalm 62 verse 1 is helpful. Listen to these words. My soul waits in silence for God only. In other words, you could say it this way, only to God is my soul silent. In other words, in this busy world where our phones are always blowing up and all these distractions are about us everywhere, the psalmist just says, my soul waits in silence. It reminds me of 1 Kings chapter 19. Remember that? When Elijah is fleeing from Jezebel and he's so discouraged and, and he's just depressed and he starts just to run after this great victory over the prophets of Baal. And, and do you remember what happens? He, he gets out there in the middle of nowhere and God says, go stand up on the mountain, probably Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai. And he says there was a great earthquake. There was a great wind. There was fire. But then it says, then there was this whisper. And God wasn't in the earthquake, and he wasn't in the fire, and he wasn't in the wind. God whispered to him. And what I want to ask you today is, if God whispered to you, would you hear him? Or is your life so noisy that you couldn't hear God over the noise of the world. And so my challenge, I'm only going to be with you for a few minutes today, is this, is from Psalm 46, verse 10, to be still and know that I am God. The Bible says this in Luke 5, 16, that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places, quiet places, and prayed. Do you remember Mary, the sister of Martha, who sat at the Lord's feet? Did you catch this part, though? Listen to what it says in, in, in Luke 10, 39. Listening to what he said what might Jesus say to us if we would be able to hear him whisper? If we got quiet enough just to listen and not talk so much when we pray, but just to listen to him. Well, there's four things that I think Jesus might say to you today. And all four of them come from the same exact Greek word. It means to take courage, tharseo. Jesus uses this word seven different times in the Gospels. And in the book of Acts, and actually it's only used eight times in totality in the Bible to take courage. And the first thing I think Jesus would say to you is this, if we would listen to him is this, no condemnation. No condemnation. I think he would say to you, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I get that because of Matthew chapter 9 verse 2, which says this, and behold, some brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. You remember the four friends that bring their friend to Jesus, they lower him through the roof, right? Like it's crazy, like we want to get our, our, our friend healed, which by the way, the nicest thing we can ever do to anybody in our life is to bring them to Jesus. So these are good friends. But catch this, it says, and Jesus saw their faith and he said to the paralytic, here it is, Take heart, there it is, tharseo. So you, you might say, how do you know Jesus would say this to me? Well, I don't know. I'm just going off the fact that he said it to someone before. Why would he not say it to you? Listen to it, look, look, put it back on the screen. Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. Here's what I want you to catch in this. The guy comes there desiring to walk, but Jesus meets his greatest and greater need. What we need more than our legs is our soul cleansed. And Jesus pronounces over him forgiveness for sins. It means his sins are blotted out. They're totally gone. He's been justified by Jesus. Yes, Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. In fact, he proved it because remember what he said to the man? He says, take up your mat and go home just so that everybody here will know that I have the authority to issue the forgiveness of sins on behalf of God. But Jesus was also binding himself to the cross when he did that. Because for sins to be forgiven, blood had to be shed. And what I want you to know today is this. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed your sins. They are gone, 
They are washed away in the blood of Jesus. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Now there is no, therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So Jesus isn't the angry dad who has his finger pointed at you because of your past sin. No, he's the loving father that has his arms open to you and says, come. And so if Jesus was going to whisper something to you today, can you hear him? No condemnation. No condemnation. You are forgiven. You have been set free. You've been bought with the precious blood of Christ. A lamb without spot or blemish. Romans 12 says the accuser of the brethren comes and he accuses us night and day before the father. And he brings accusations about our past and our sins. And do you remember the solution found in Revelation chapter 12? How do we overcome that? You conquer by the word of your testimony and by the blood of the lamb. And so my mom always says this, which my mom's a crack up. My mom, if I wish I had time to tell you her story, my mom was a nun. My mom was in the convent, and I'm so thankful she quit because <laughs> I'd be in trouble. <laughs> and by the way, just so you know, the order was she quit, then she had kids. I just want to make sure that's really clear. I don't want to besmirch my mom's reputation here. But she always says this, and you've heard it before. When the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. But what I would say is, mom, I appreciate that. My mom comes to my church. I love my mom. I say, mom, I personally don't talk to the devil. I talk to the Lord about the devil, but I personally don't have a relationship with him. But I get the point. But what I would say is, when you feel accused and you're reminded about your past, be reminded of the shed blood of Jesus. It is sufficient. Number two, the second thing I think Jesus would say to all of us today is no isolation. I think he might whisper to you, no isolation. Jesus had this to say to a woman who had been isolated from all of society. Jesus turned and seeing her, her being the woman who had the blood issue for 12 years, said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. We know this story, right? The lady who had the blood issue reaches out, touches Jesus' garment, touches, you know, and instantaneously she's healed. Remember Jairus had come saying, would you come heal my daughter who is dying or dead even? It depends on what gospel you read, a little confusing, but nonetheless, like here's a dad saying, can you come heal my daughter? He is a religious leader. He has prestige. And then there's this woman who nobody would have anything to do with her because if you read Levitical law and you knew Jewish life at that time, women who were bleeding were ceremonially unclean. They weren't allowed to go to the temple. In fact, did you know Leviticus chapter 15 that says that actually a woman in that condition, whatever bed she lies in, it's unclean. Whatever seat she sits in is unclean. And if a man even touches the seat that that woman sat in, he's unclean. And so, and so, so this woman would have been a complete outcast. And what I want to just focus your attention on right now, what does Jesus call her? Can we put the verse back up as possible? What does Jesus call her? Daughter daughter and when you think about this Jairus is a dad fighting for his daughter's life Jesus takes that same word and he just goes you know what you know how this man loves his daughter that's how I love you you can touch my garment I accept you you see the devil does indeed try to tempt us temptation is a powerful tool of the devil there's no doubt about it but I will be honest with you I think it's not his first weapon I think his first weapon is isolation. He makes you feel alone. He makes you feel like an outcast. You think there's nobody else. You remember in 1 Kings chapter 19 with Elijah? Do you remember what Elijah says? God, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. And God, in whispering to him, he says, actually, Elijah, 
there's 7,000 other faithful people. You're not alone. It only takes one day to get discouraged spiritually. That's why Hebrews 3.13 says, so encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you are hardened by sin's deceitfulness. What I would want to tell you today is Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. You are not alone if you're in Christ ever. You have your Lord and you have his people. You have your Lord, you have your people. I was, I was on a vacation once with my family. My son was 18 years old. We're going up to Hume Lake Christian camps. My son was just being really, you know when a son, we're having fun, we're having fun, and he takes it too far? You guys know what that's like, right? Like, son, you're taking it too far. Son, you got to stop. Son, this teasing's got to stop. I'm still your dad. Like, ah, oh, we're having fun. We're having, ah, and he keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. I go, son, if you do say one more thing, I'm pulling over. You're walking the rest of the way to camp. We're on mountain roads, probably up two miles from the camp, but whatever. So, so. Finally, he does it, and I go, you're just going to have to hop out. He goes, Dad. I go, no, hop out. You know, you know the way to him. We'll, we'll meet you there. Have a good walk. See you in a few hours. He gets out of the car. I had no intention of actually driving very far. He gets out. He takes his ukulele with him. So he's walking on that. He's playing it. I look in the rearview mirror. So then I, I, I literally, like, I'm like, okay, my other son Ryan's in the car. My younger son Ryan at that time, he's like, Dad, can I go too? I'm like, son, this is a punishment. It's not supposed to be something fun. So, like, I get, like, half a mile down the road where he can't see me. I flip around, like, oh, let's go pick him up. As I pull back up to get him, he's getting in another guy's car. And he just looks at me and he waves. He goes, like, oh. He started hitchhiking. Like, what are you, oh. He's like, Dad, I got you. Listen, Jesus, he'll never make you get out of the car. And I had no intention of ever leaving or forsaking my son. Listen, when you start feeling isolated, which, by the way, I think can be one of your most vulnerable times for all of us. In those moments, you've got to claim this promise. No, I am his daughter. I am his son. He will never leave me or forsake me. Number three, number three, I think he would tell you today, he'd whisper this to you, no trepidation, no trepidation. No fear, nothing to fear. Fear not, I am with you, I think he would say. Listen to Matthew chapter 14, verse 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, so here he goes again, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Remember that? Jesus said that when he was walking on water, and they think he's a ghost. So they're in a storm. It says they're just rowing, and they're not getting anywhere. They're stuck out there. They're no doubt afraid of the storm. But then they realize there's something to be more afraid of than a storm. There's something to be more afraid of than nature. And you know what it is? The God of nature. And, and so, so, so Jesus comes walking on water like, oh, people can't just walk on water. Jesus says, it is I, do not be afraid. Literally, you can read it this way, take heart, I am. What he's saying is, is God's in your presence. And my advice to any of us is if you encounter the God of the universe, I tell people, like, you have the God of the universe. Have you ever had this happen? Like, everybody's done it. Use the Lord's name in vain. You ever just hear somebody say, like, Jesus Christ, like in the store, like in vain? That just nothing bothers me as bad as hearing that, honestly. And I, I, I've literally thought this before. Man, I wish he'd just show up right now. You know what I mean? Like in power. Like, you called? Can you imagine that? What did John the Revelator do, Jesus' best friend, the disciple Jesus loved, what did he do when he saw the resurrected, glorified Christ in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17? He fell on his face as though dead. And Jesus went and picked him up and said, John, it's me. And he goes, I have the keys to death in Hades. In other words, you don't have to fear because the God of the universe is on your side. 
That's what Jesus is saying in this passage. That's what he's saying. He's saying, don't fear, it's me. And I'm the God of the universe. A number of years ago, my car got stolen out of my driveway. And about three weeks after it was stolen, somebody passed me driving it. In the same town. Lancaster, California, there you go. So they drove right by me. I'm like, so I went into like police mode. I don't know if you ever saw the show Starsky and Hutch where they put the siren on top of the car. I'm like chasing these. I, I literally chased them through the streets of Lancaster. Finally, I cornered them. I got out. I'm like, get out of my car. I mean, you guys, I know. You don't, most of you have never seen me before, and I'm up on a stage right now, but I'm not an incredibly large man. Never have been. But man, that adrenaline, I was courageous. Like, get out of my car. And they're like, this is your car. I'm like, yeah, it's stolen. They, oh, we didn't know it was stolen. It's all hot wired. You see the wires hanging down, you know, like. <laughs> they got out of the car. I got my car back. It made it the paper the next day. The headline was, man steals car back. I'm like, you can't steal your own car back. It's my car. Here's the crazy thing about that, though. I'm like, I was that bold for a 1985 Honda Accord with a big dent in the back. And yet I'm going to be ashamed about Jesus. I'm not going to trust him that he can do exceedingly abundantly more than I can ask or imagine. Like, where's the courage in the, in the church? I, I, I don't have much time left, but listen to John 16, It says this, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Last week, Ron Brown, your leader, was up in the Antelope Valley. And we opened that teen challenge. In fact, I think we even have the, the picture of it. Do we have a slide of that? This was, on the, this was on the front page of the paper. That's the front page of the Antelope Valley Press. It was, it was, it was right there just two days ago. And here's what I want to say to you. Like, like, it's not easy to get stuff going in the AV. But you know what happened at that meeting? The mayor of Palmdale and the vice mayor of Lancaster both stood up and they said, in our budgets this year, we're both pledging $5 million from each city. This happened, right, Ron? I'm not making this up. $5 million from each city to build a building that Teen Challenge can have a residential treatment center in. How does that happen? This is, this, is my, this is my point to you, though. We get excited about those things, and what I want to say is God wants to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or imagine in your life. Don't fear. Don't fear. It is I, Jesus says. It's me. So you know what we need to do? We need to be like Peter and get out of the boat. I know everybody's like, well, he started to sink. Well, he got out of the boat. And when did he start to sink? When his eyes got off of Jesus. The last point, I'm going to give this to you. Number four. Number four, I think Jesus would say this to you today, no termination, no termination. Here's what I mean by that. Jesus will never fire you from the job of serving him. He will not fire you. Sometimes he'll correct you. Sometimes he'll have to discipline you. But as long as I'm not dead, God's not done working through me. And it doesn't matter what my past is. It doesn't matter. I remember my first job interview was at Taco Bell. I remember this. 
Vividly, I was 16 years old. I applied at Taco Bell. It was the old Taco Bells. It just had the little portal, like it was mostly takeout, you know, and they had the seats out front, whatever. Tiny little building. I go in there, I interview, and the lady looks at me and she goes, I'm sorry, you just don't have enough work experience. I'm like, well, where in the world am I going to get that at? I don't know where I'm going to start. I mean, I just went home thinking, well, mom and dad, I'm going to be living here forever. Can't get a job. Jesus has a job for you to do. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. He's not done with you. Where do I get that from? Acts chapter 23, after Paul felt like a complete failure in Jerusalem, he thought his ministry was over. Notice what he says in Acts 23, 11. This is Jesus. The following night, the Lord stood by him. This is Jesus appearing to Paul in the book of Acts and said, here it is, same word, take courage. As you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. <sighs> Do you see what he just said? He just goes, you're not done. I know things look really down right now. Like, how am I going to get from this basically jail in Jerusalem to my heart's desire to share Jesus in Rome? I'm never going to be able to get there. And he just goes, no, 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 no. You forget. I'm the I am. I'm not, I'm not done with you. I got something for you to do that you would never imagine. You remember Peter denied Jesus three times? And what does Jesus do before he ascends into heaven? He goes back to Peter, and what does he do? He restores him. And he says, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Do you love me? I love you, Lord. Why did he ask three times? Because he denied him three times. Here's what I want to say to everybody in this room today. And I say it to myself as well. No matter what is in your past, God wants to use you in the future. Paul parted with Barnabas because John Mark had failed in the past. And Paul just goes, I'm not taking John Mark. And Barnabas is like, son of encouragement, like, no, we can't give up on this guy. And Paul goes, no, it's bigger than the guy. I'm going on. And they parted. Best friends in ministry parted over this guy, John Mark. But most people miss it. Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4, just before he has his head chopped off for his service to Christ, says this, get Mark and bring him with you because he is useful to me. So John Mark went from being useless to Paul to useful to Paul. And here's what I would say to you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're useful to him. You're useful to him. He has a plan and a purpose for you. He always finishes what he starts. My dad, who died 19 years ago, who I was very close with and loved Jesus, there was a man named Daryl Barber. He was the assistant pastor at our church. And he, uh, he, he was dying, and my dad wasn't a believer. My dad sat by his side, watched him dying, and Daryl Barber said, I think the only reason I'm still alive is there's one more man I'm supposed to share the gospel with. And he goes, and I think it's you. And he led my dad to Christ at 37 years old. He wasn't done with Daryl Barber. He's not done with you. So today... As I step aside here, I want to say these words to you on behalf of Jesus. And I think I can say it with authority because he said these words. Brothers and sisters, there is no condemnation. Hear the voice of Jesus this morning. No condemnation. There is, there is no isolation. You're not alone. Don't believe it. There is no trepidation. There's no fear. And there is no termination. God isn't finished with you yet. Listen to Lamentations 3. It says this, The Lord is good to those who wait for him. To the person who seeks him, it is good that he waits silently. Let him sit alone and be silent. 
Today, tomorrow, find a place to be silent. What might Jesus say if we start to listen to him when we pray? Father, I pray for everybody here today. Bless them, fill them with your spirit. Let them know the love of the Savior. I pray that they would hear his voice through his word today. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for choosing our podcast today. We hope that you have been encouraged and blessed by this message. Make sure not to miss any future episodes by subscribing to this podcast right now. God bless you.